You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, welcome to the GFR show. I am so glad you're here. I'm Lisa Cherney. I'm the host of this craziness. <laughs> and I have another amazing guest for you today with a story that I know many of you are going to relate to on some level. Here's our thought-provoking question to kick things off. Have you ever felt broken? Our guest today, Carrie Hummingbird, felt broken from the age of 15 when she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and told that she was mentally ill. She spent the rest of her life, many, many years of her life, looking for how to fix herself, looking for answers about what was wrong with her. And just wait until you meet her and feel her and like get her zest for life and her clarity of how things work, how our mental, spiritual, emotional journey works. She has such certainty. It brought so much comfort to me. Let me tell you a little bit about her professional life and her business. She is a medicine woman, a mother, and a mentor. And she's the founder of Inner Medicine Training, a mystery school that shares potent ancient traditions from the Andes and Himalayas for owning your wisdom and living your purpose. She has written a few books, and she has one of them that's been an international bestseller for over 183 weeks. And that one is called The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama. (laughs) I want to transcend the human drama. (laughs) And then her newest book, which will be released on Earth Day in 2023, is called Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. She is a delight, you will see, and she is super wise. I got the benefit of learning from her during the study and the work that I did in 2021 on unconscious racial bias. She does amazing work in social justice and unconscious bias and just really her pursuits of uniting humanity on this planet. I cannot wait for you to meet her. And 
If you are in our GFR squad membership, the bonus that she does for our members is an amazing guided meditation that she took me on. And you're going to hear how it was for me. The guided meditation is how to work with your soul to make a decision. It's really, really, ah, it's, it's soul stirring. And I am working on a specific decision I was making, and then I share with you what how all that turned out. So if you haven't joined our GFR squad and you've been curious about it, it's only $20 a month. You can cancel any time, and you get to hang out with us once a month on Zoom, where we take one of the GFR commandments as a theme for the month, and we talk and chat and share and confess, and it's really, really juicy. And then, of course, you also get access to all these bonuses from our guests, like this amazing guided meditation from Carrie. So I just cannot wait for you to meet her. You will feel much more sane <laughs> and normal, whatever the fuck that means in your experience after you get a chance to spend some time with her. So without further ado, Ms. Carrie Hummingbird. Carrie Hummingbird, welcome to the GFR show. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here, Lisa. It's so great to share space with you in your home. Yes, I'm I wish you were here with me. That would be so fun and we get to hug and all that good stuff. I like that couch behind you. I'd be sitting there talking with you. Girl, every office I've ever had for my 25 years has had some form of chaise lounge, chaise chaise or chaise lounge in it. It's like and in fact, fun fact everybody, my when I first left corporate, I was 28 years old and we were like in a small townhouse and my first office was a black chaise lounge that we got like in the clearance department of the furniture store for like $200. And I had this little table next to the chaise lounge and that was my office. I didn't want to have a desk because I was like so happy to be out of corporate. I was like, I don't want to have a desk. That was like my rebellion. And so I did my my business for, I think, two or three years with no desk, just the chaise lounge and a little <laughs> table next to it. <laughs> That's awesome. I can understand that wanting to get out of the corporate yolk and all of its conformity matrix. Yes, yes, totally. So everyone, I got to see Carrie and meet her for the first time, even though we've known each other for a few years now, I got to see her and be with her at the Evolutionary Business Council that I spoke at, the conference that I spoke at in January. And it was so delightful to see you in all your glory and feel you. And I'm so grateful that we had that opportunity. Me too. I was, I was always nice to see people in person. I mean, in your physical body, this one thing to be over the Zoom and you can definitely feel and perceive people. And even through the voice, people are listening to us right now. And even through voice, we can get a sense of someone's essence. But being in person is just like magnified. Yeah, it's beautiful. It really, yeah. I mean, there's just no substitute for hugs. Hugs are cool. Hugs I love hugs. Are, are very cool. Very, very cool. Okay. So where to start? So I can't wait to, when we, you know, get further along to hear, so here for people to hear about your amazing work and how like the multifacets that is Carrie and her you know, all of the things you, the healing things you do and the retreats and all that kind of stuff. And what I love about the show is that we really get real about the journey to those things, because 
it's like, it would so annoy me, Carrie, when I would be like speaking and doing my thing. And I would get this feeling that people just sort of like thought that I popped out that way. You know, like I've just always been comfortable and always been owning my thing and always like, you know, and I'm like, no, I was right where you are. Trust me. Like, I'm not so different from you, you know, and so much of what you represent and what you share with the world is about our unity is about our oneness. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I think the most important thing is the stories we tell about ourselves and the stories that other people tell about us. Because that is the power of the word. You know, we're, we get to create our existence through storytelling and through the use of the word. And how we use the word impacts how we experience life. And when we, you know, our biology responds to the words that we speak, right? Our biology responds to the words we speak about ourselves and others. The environment responds to it. Masaru Emoto did beautiful work on this actually with water. He took, put intention into water and then took drops of that water and froze it into snowflakes to take a look under the microscope and see with a certain intention, what did the water look like? You know, what was the, the sacred geometry of that snowflake when it was filled with love? And what was the sacred geometry of that snowflake when it was filled with fear or hate? And what he found was that the lower vibrational experiences that we all have of hate and fear and guilt and shame and all those things, they affect the water. And if they affect the water in a glass, they affect the water in your body and they affect the water on the planet. So the most thing I realized was that over two decades, weekly, every week, psychotherapy sessions, talking about my problems and feeling really bad for, about myself, about me. And, and saying bad things about me, that I was affecting the water in my body with all those words and, and those were causing emotions. And, and my body was responding to the words I was speaking. And my mind was responding to the words I was speaking. And I was tuning into certain voices over other voices. You know, we all have heard the story of the angel and the devil on your shoulder and you get to choose which one to listen to. And for a long time, I listened to that devil. And I said, yes, I must be bad. I must be broken. I must be a terrible person. And I just have to atone for myself and how awful I am. And I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling sense, you know. <clears throat> and we get that way, how, you know, it's a big mystery. How do we get that way? We have lots of explanations for how. But on the healing journey, that's where you get to discover it for yourself. So on my journey, that's kind of how it was. You know, I told a lot of stories on myself. Other people told stories on me and out of concern and worry. They worried about my mother worried about me, for example. Oh, there's something broken and wrong with Carrie. We need to fix her. You know, oh my gosh, it's not cool the way she's acting. I'm scared for her. And so all of these stories start to contribute to this storyline, you know, and then you become this character and you start fulfilling that character, right? And so that's what I was doing. And of course that leads to more of the same or like worse, you know? And so that's kind of like how it began and all these, you know, involvement of, Western psychiatry and Western medicine, which just loves to create little boxes with labels and put people in them. And then they just want you to stay there for the rest of your life and hang out in that box and be that way forever so that everybody knows how you are and you're playing that role now. And meanwhile, lucky for me, I made a jailbreak and yeah. I, I said, I'm not staying. This is a dead end story. 
you know, you can slap all the diagnoses on me that you want, but that's a dead end story. I'm not going to stay in that box. I don't belong in that box. Nobody belongs in a box. And so for me, the journey was really from this idea of being mentally ill or broken or, you know, and the last diagnosis they gave me was borderline personality. So borderline crazy or like (laughs) mostly, you know, this idea of all that to boundless. No, I'm boundless. I'm a medicine woman. I simply had to walk that path and notice I'm changing the story now, even as we speak. This is the use of the word. It's like up until now, that's kind of what the story was. And then I had this revelation and a series of revelations that that's not true. And and even if it was, I don't like that story and I'm not going to play that role anymore. I get to choose for myself. I'm sovereign. I'm going to choose a different storyline. It gives me greater opportunities, gives me greater potentials, gives me greater perspectives, gives me a purpose. And with purpose, everybody feels better. Once you have purpose and a destiny, every person feels better. I don't care what your storyline is. And so for me, that purpose was, oh, I'm a medicine woman. Oh, I'm here to show that the story you tell has a great impact on your, on your body and your fluids or water in your body, the, the ideas in your mind, the, your inner child inside of you, your family system, the world. And the, when you start to tell a better story that leaves more potentials open for good things to happen, good things tend to start happening. <laughs> and <laughs> the better you get at telling that story, the better yeah. good things happen. And that's kind of been my journey. And I did have to re-educate myself and my brain and my cells about the new story many, many times over many years. I had lots of modalities. Re-educating myself, evolving that story to give even greater potentials and just continuing to evolve that story because I want to see what's possible when love is the frequency in every single one of my atoms and cells. When love is the frequency vibrating through my body, that's the reality I desire to experience and for myself and others and and for the greatest good for everybody, for the whole planet. Wouldn't it be wonderful if love was the energy vibrating through every body of water, whether it was a lake or an ocean or a person's body? Wouldn't that be amazing? I mean, just for a moment, just contemplate. Yeah. That and, and so that's that's my journey, Lisa. I mean, that's basically yeah. I'm a storyteller. I just telling way yeah. better stories now than I was telling before. <laughs> I love that. I love that. We're all storytellers and we, we can't help it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's I mean, it really so unites all of us in our experience of it is. You're no different than me. It's just whatever story the story that you're telling yourself right now creates you to be different than me. And as you're sharing, it's like reminding like I had I, like my life was flashing before my eyes as you were talking because I was like when I was in college after years of my mom worked for Weight Watchers and and not that I needed my mom to work for weight for weight not that I needed that in order to be critical of my body, but that certainly added to the soup, you know? And, and so I joined a 12 step program, Oread is anonymous and, you know, the anonymous programs are, hi, I am, you know, I'm Lisa, I'm a compulsive overeater. And I, that label, I remember that label served me until it didn't serve me. And it's, it served me for probably 10 years. And then like two more years of me questioning. And then I, and the organization was great, saved me in so many ways 
really brought me to God. I didn't really have a spiritual awareness before that. And then it didn't because I didn't want the label wasn't serving me anymore. And I needed to like, you know, break free and like, you know, move to the next chapter of, you know, my healing. So like, like that blipped, you know, flashed before me. And then, you know, we were talking about before we started rolling, like corporate, you know, and sort of the corporate structures and, and how, when I first left corporate, I didn't want to have a desk because I just like could not sit at a desk. And so I had a chaise lounge, which is like, which is behind me. And so many of our listeners have had this experience of having a certain label. So I love your perspective on it. And would it be okay if we unpacked a couple parts of your story a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Because I know that we kind of need to recognize ourselves sometimes in others in order to be like, oh, okay, that should happen to her. And that was her journey. And look where she is now. And like, if she could do it, I could do it kind of thing. So that's where, where I'm wanting to, to be with this. So, so can you share a little bit more about your life when you were in that decade of the traditional therapy and those labels and like kind of what did your sort what did your life look like at the time and how did that like present to the world <laughs> yeah so i mean it started when i was 15 i was quite melodramatic and uh <laughs> wild and so that got that earned me a diagnosis of manic depressive wow and i mean but i think most teenagers give given you know, the free reign to fully express are actually dramatic, you know, so Definitely. I kind of argued with that diagnosis, but yeah. um, well, my daughter and my nephew are <laughs> both in school together right now and they're in the theater and drama and like that, you know, the, so they're with all the drama kids. And so, yeah, it's just like part like, of the soup that they swim in is melodrama, I think. Melodrama. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you're learning about relationships, you're learning about yourself, you're learning about your vulnerability and your heart and you're not always loved and supported. You know, you go outside to school and suddenly there's heartbreak. So there's a lot, you know, a lot to being a teenager. And then the sexuality opening up too is like, oh my goodness, that's a whole can of worms. So there was a lot going on. And so you were labeled young. You were I labeled, was 15 yeah. because I got, I did get suicidal and I took some Tylenol with codeine. I'm not sure it would have actually killed me, but it might have. But I did take a whole bottle and, you know, my parents wow. were very freaked out, took me to the hospital and um, had my stomach pumped and then promptly brought me into the psychiatrist, as they should have, and started working with this guy. Now, back in the day, because I'm 53, back then, psychiatrists actually did the work of psychiatry. They weren't just pill pushers. Okay, they actually did psychiatry work. They yeah. worked with people and they talked to them and they got in, you know, Jungian and they got into their psychology and they... They they got a lay of the they got a lay of the story. What's the story being told about this person? What's the story this person's telling about themselves? What's the story that lives inside this person? This person that I saw was actually like that. And thank goodness. And he helped me to kind of see like what was the story in my family system? What was the story that was causing me to react the way I was reacting? And so, you know, that was kind of very helpful for me. And because he didn't put me on pills, he just kind of try to get a sense of the story and try to help me to balance all these really huge emotions, intense, intense feelings, waves of emotion and energy that were passing through me to help me to ground it, you know, to help me to ground it in some sense of reality. And, and he helped me quite a bit. So that was a beneficial thing. But then it started this idea that I was mentally broken, right? In right. my family. And my mom felt guilty about that because of my early beginnings. And so 
I had a natural father who tried to molest me at one years old. I mean, really, come on now. It's a baby. Wow. And then this other stepfather that she seemed like a good guy, but he ended up having a lot of problems and issues with alcohol and being very violent and having his own psychological traumas that he perpetuated on top of my mother and I. So it was a very hectic beginning to life. And I think that many people resonate with that kind of scary anger filled existence, you know, when you're a child of violence and, and many masculine towards feminine. And I realize it also goes the other way, but I just know a lot of women that, are, you know, but in the abuse space. So all of this contributed, right? And so it started this idea that I was something broken inside me that needed to be fixed. And when you start going down, when you put your attention anywhere, this is what I learned years later, when you put your attention on trying to figure out where you got broken, you're going to find a whole lot of stuff, you know, like you're going to discover a lot about yourself. And it's like, when you put that lens on, you start looking through all these shadowy areas and that's called shadow work. And, and it has a purpose and a function so long as it's measured by also simultaneously how holding acceptance and love and for yourself as you are, like you're not broken, you know? And so, but when it becomes a conversation about being broken, that's where it spirals downhill. And I see a lot of people in that space right now. They're trying to figure out what's wrong with them, how they got broken and how to fix it. That conversation is never going to lead anywhere productive. I can just save you the effort. Although usually people get dedicated to that path. They don't want to listen to that. I understand that too. And whenever you get ready to listen to that advice and come and talk to me. <laughs> yes. But, you know, so that's kind of how I got started there. And because of that, you know, I was a very sensitive kid and I think I took everything personally. And I think that's another thing that leads to it, taking everything personally, being a big feeler, a big hearted person a big, and, a, and an empath, and then taking everything personally also is, you know, so all this contributes to this idea that I'm broken because everybody else is walking around with, you know, steel armor around their hearts, right? You show up with the one that has a heart that says, oh gosh, this hurts what you're doing then you become the weirdo, you know? So I think a lot of people are waking up to that now. And that's kind of, that was kind of like this idea I had. And I, you know, there's like, there's family system modalities that explain this a little bit better than what I'm doing right now. It's called family systems, constellation work and things like that. Our friend Gary Stewart does constellations. And you can, when you experience a constellation, you really start to understand how, much of your life experience is influenced by ancestral patterns that, you know, maybe your ancestor five generations ago experienced something. So much of the thing you're, you're experiencing now is like kind of residual effect from that trauma, you know, and, and so when you start to look at the shadows as to like, well, why am I broken? What's wrong with me? Because my current life experience doesn't show any reason for me to be so sad or depressed or anxious or wild or all those things. And we start to look into the ancestry and we start to explore the early childhood. And we start to, so all of these areas are really important to investigate through a lens of discovery rather than through a lens of I'm broken and I need to fix myself. Let's just change the lens. I, I'm really I'm ready to discover myself. I'm ready to discover myself as part of an ancestral history and I'm ready to bring healing to all of it. That's a, that's a healthier lens and that'll lead to better outcomes. So I, I of course didn't have that model until after the journey, right? That's, so that first two decades was how come I'm broken? And of course it just makes you feel worse about yourself and you go into a spiral and then you want to distance from it and you know then you start drinking and 
taking drugs or things like that. So I, my, my thing was wine. So I was a wino, <laughs> a house, a housewife wino. And, you know, I drank a lot of wine to try to cover that up. And for a while I had, I smoked a lot of pot for a while in my teenage years and high school years. And sometimes even up until I became a mom. So that journey went on and a lot of people are doing that right now too. And so yes. if you're, you know, if you're smoking a lot of pot right now or drinking a lot of alcohol, I just got to say, your energy feels probably like Swiss cheese. And, you know, that means that anything can get in and play with you inside your energy field, you know, and just like you have parasites in your gut, you have parasites in your gut. Why would you think there's not parasites outside your body in the space you can't see? You know, those are called entities. So when you start playing around with drugs and alcohol, you start finding out that they have a reason why they call it alcohol spirits. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of like, you know, the science is starting to prove a lot of this, you know, but a lot of times people think that's crazy. Well, I'll tell you what's not crazy is getting rid of them and regaining your sanity with teachers that understand about the spirit world. And when you get your healthy energy body back and it's nice and robust and and you're grounded and, and you've got love pouring through every single one of your cells, remembering back to Masoto Emoto science experiments with this, the snowflakes that are balanced in love geometry. When you're, when you got love geometry going on inside of you, guess what? You're not mentally ill anymore. You're compassionate, you're present, you're loving, you're kind, you're patient. And it doesn't happen overnight. It happens through your inner medicine. That's why my program and my book is called Inner Medicine, Lisa, is because it's your inner medicine. It's it's not an external medicine. It's not that expert over there just because they have a white coat and a badge. They're also a person with filters and their own life experience and they're not inside your body. So they're never going to understand your journey ever. They'll try, but they don't get it. And I saw all these experts that tried to help me didn't understand my journey. So I finally met a teacher, Alberto Vialdo, who said, and this is after I left. So 20 years had a marriage, I sustained a marriage for 20 years, which they say with borderline personality, you can't do that, but I did. So obviously, you know, that's <laughs> a, it got some issues with their, mo their models and their, how they diagnose things anyway, because it's all ephemeral and you can't diagnose it anyway, just saying it's a bunch of BS. However, back to this. So <laughs> while I was still believing them, I was going to their weekly sessions and I was, you know, taking their not feeling pills and feeling very strange like I was behind a glass wall and can't feel myself and I was still suicidal and and almost like even worse because you can't prevent a suicide you cannot prevent a spiritual awakening try as you might it turns out it's unstoppable <laughs> so mine happened I went through my dark night of the soul and and as I was getting in there I was like I'm a very smart person I realized if you keep doing the same thing and it's not getting the results you want, then it's kind of insanity to keep doing that same thing, right? So I said, yes. if I've been going to psychotherapy for two decades weekly and it hasn't worked, this, the definition of insanity is to keep going thinking somehow it's gonna work for me. So I'm gonna stop doing that because it's not working. Suddenly, a moment of reprieve. It's better, okay, that was a good move. Awesome. That worked. You did that all. And what period of time did you like <laughs> quit the drinking, quit the pot, quit the therapy, quit the marriage? Say, like, gosh. So that was right around the time as it happens. You know, it's an astrological, I think it's the second Saturn returns or something. Whenever they say that you're supposed to go through that astrologically, that's when I went through it. It was like about 40. 
38 to 42 is right on time. Bam. So that's when I started realizing astrology is real. <laughs> I was like, you mean there's a map that explains that this is going to happen? Where is that map? And so I was like, tell me the new maps. I need to see all the maps that work because these other maps don't work. So show me the maps that actually work. And then I started getting into the astrology and I was like, oh my gosh, this map is, is like so on target. And yeah, so it was, I was in the relationship for 20 years. I was in the psychotherapy thing for 20 years. I was in the pills for 13 years since the birth of my first son. And, you know, and I was on them for the second son. So who knows? He's way more calm. Maybe it helped him, but maybe it didn't. We'll find out at about 40, right? So <laughs> kind of like I'm not making any predictions. So there's like this dark night of the soul. It's unstoppable. If you're meant to wake up spiritually in this lifetime, you can, I don't care how many pills you take. Or how easy you make your life. You're not going to avoid that awakening. It's not going to happen. It's going to freight train you. And the more you run away from it, the more it's going to freight train you. So I think a lot of people are probably experiencing that right now and going, wow, this woman's making a lot of sense. And it doesn't make sense if you're in the mindset of the mental health industry. It's actually a mental illness industry. I should rewire that. It's call it what it actually is, the mental illness industry, where they say, this is what's wrong with you, instead of understanding what's right with you. Or it's so literal, it's kind of funny, it's like the literalism, right, Lisa? It's like, it's so literal there, and what we're missing is the metaphor. We're not getting the metaphors. Yeah, yeah. So parallel for us, your vocation journey, your you know, your work through this part that you've already told? That is actually a really important question because when people have to do jobs that bring them a sense of misery, that's a mental health issue, you know? For sure. So I, when I graduated college in 1991, I was home for a year because I couldn't get a job. And I thought, and this was on the East Coast. And so I thought, okay, I've got computer science and I've got English. So I guess I'll go be a tech writer, you know, because that makes sense. And everybody who's <laughs> ever known tech writers are like, they're the weirdest people ever. People who choose to be tech writers generally are strange mm -hmm. because, you know, we're people that can straddle the worlds, like we're people that can, you know, understand computer geek, like absolutely no soul or heart, right? Talking to somebody is just all geeking out on code. And we can also talk to a regular person and, you know, somehow we, we translate, you know, this. Yeah. My husband's that way. He definitely can translate the tech, the tech with the, with the like people. <laughs> you know, tech writers are strange people, but we can actually bridge. So I did that. I, it was a good job. It was a good career for me. It was boring as heck, but I, you know, I did, I was able to sustain myself, make a good income for a long time doing that. And that was probably 20 years on my journey as well. And I met my former spouse, you know, right after college, 1992. So I moved out to Silicon Valley. Within a couple of weeks, I had a job. I started in the industry. And then within a month, I met him. He was also a tech writer, so also a weirdo, and, <laughs> but in a different way. And we started, you know, started being together. So, yeah, I think that I became a consultant pretty soon after because I had that I had that entrepreneurial spirit. I didn't also I like you, I didn't want to be confined. <laughs> you know, and and I, I like a little freedom to make up my own story and my own hours and like pretty woman. I say who, I say where, I say when, I say how much, <laughs> you know, like that. 
And you can't tell me. You just watched that movie recently. It's such a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> and and so yeah. And so I I was very successful. I was very good at what I did. I I would get it right usually the first time, maybe a couple of modifications, but like I was right on it. It was just something I could excel at. And when I was a consultant, I could do it, charge what it's worth, and then work like half the hours or less than yes. I would have worked if I was doing that in a company and just be like, well, this is the price. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want it done right, this is the price and, and just, you know, let me be, cause I just need to be off on my own. I don't, I don't really need to be here. So that's kind of, you know, that's what I did. Spent a lot of time in nature. I did a lot of artwork. I, I always kept my art connection open. I think that's what helped me bridge, you know, honestly, when that gets closed off, you have a really hard time later in life opening that back up again. But if you keep it open, that creativity channel, that inspiration, that imagination, that child, imagine, you know, imagination or, or artwork or any kind of creative expression, you're going to have an easier time after the dark night of the soul or through it. It's going to be easier. So that's kind of what happened for me. And that was my career. And now I'm a medicine woman. So, I mean, that, uh, <laughs> I, I did it, that and now I do this. I'm it sure. doesn't seem related. You were, um, it was after that bubble bath that you uh, changed careers. <laughs> I pretty much had the bubble bath and then I went, okay, I'm leaving psychotherapy. I'm leaving my husband. I'm leaving pills. And then pretty soon I was like, I'm leaving high tech. <laughs> that was a couple years later. And I was like, I'm on my actual journey now. Like I felt it was a funny moment, Lisa, because as part of this transformation, yeah, I got my first night in the bubble bath and then I took a bubble bath every single night for years. Like <laughs> it, it was only after I met Akeem that I, my new husband, that I stopped taking bubble baths every night. But we take them a few times a week now, but I, you know, but I had, it was like my ritual. Now it's a we. It's a we. And it's sometimes I take bath. my own, but you know, but we do share, but it was like, I was like, well, I don't even think my name represents me. So I got to that point, you know, like my identity, because like my name doesn't even represent me. Like, yeah. who is this name as a woman? Really consider it. It's like your name is some guy's name. And maybe it's your father. I mean, I had three different fathers, right? So for me, my, my stepfather at the end was my actual father. And I did go by his last name. But then I started questioning it during this whole phase because I was like, who am I? Like, I just have other people's names. Mm. I have these men giving me a name. What is that about? I want to be myself. And so I changed, I got this vision in a, a drum journey. I was trying to get this house I'm in right now. And it had been on the market back and forth with a sale for a while, but they hadn't closed the deal yet. And my real estate agent's like, you're not going to get that house. And I'm like, no, it's my house. I'm getting that house. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> so I went into a drum journey and I was like, this is my house. I'm seeing myself in the house. And at the end of the journey, this hummingbird in like glowing day glow rainbow light, I'm looking out the back kitchen window and it goes. And it, and just, it just pauses. <laughs> right in front of you right and I'm in awe because why because I didn't make that happen it just happened in my journey and I went this is my house <gasps> it really is and a hummingbird and so I looked up hummingbird and I was like that's me so I started changing my name to Carrie hummingbird in drum journey circles and I started calling I'm Carrie hummingbird you came around to me and I was like I am Carrie hummingbird and then I just said change it on LinkedIn <laughs> <laughs> And well, which makes it official as official can be. <laughs> because all my Silicon Valley contacts were like, we kind of knew she was crazy before, but she's a tech writer. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so yeah, I changed my name and I outed myself. And at that point, I was like, no going back. You know, I mean, there really was no going back from the moment I left the house and I had that first bubble bath. Like, I was like, there is something more pleasurable for me to experience <laughs> than wading through that nightmare that I had been calling my life and putting myself, forcing myself to be enmeshed in situations that were dragging me down where I was the the broken one, the the one that had, you know, was making it hard for everybody else. The, it was kind of amazing how you could be the one taking on everyone's pain, but then also be the one that everyone blames for everything. It was kind of an amazing role. And I decided I didn't want to play that role anymore. I was done with that. And I preferred a world where everybody took responsibility for their own stuff. Beautiful. My mom, as you know, my mom passed away in May and loved, loved hummingbirds for her whole life. And, you know, her hummingbird feeder was, you know, her gateway to heaven or something. It was, she just loved hummingbirds and also butterflies, which are right behind you. So I really feel her with me, you know, as you're talking about hummingbirds and yeah. And yeah, the name, it's so funny because I only know you as Carrie Hummingbird and one might suspect when they hear that name, that it was a chosen name. But for me and my experience with you, it's just who you like, you're Carrie Hummingbird. Like, I know it just, (laughs) that's what happened. That's Lisa. That's exactly what happened is that people that knew me for years by their name, they're like, this is your name. You're Carrie Hummingbird. I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) It was like coming home, you know, to the truth. Yeah. So I feel called to add another parallel aspect, which is your, your role as parent and how your journey impacted, and I'm sure right all in divine order, it impacted your son's journey. What would you like to share about? Yeah, I would say, first of all, (laughs) if you're in a family system, you're in that family system for a reason, you know, and this is where a lot of people, it would just be so served if they would realize that they chose this experience, you know, rather than kind of being upset, like they landed in a family that was XYZ way and they hate it and it's being done to them, you know, but if you start to actually pay attention, you actually are perfectly designed for that family system and, and you could find the way that you are. And so for me, you know, my family system is a system of medicine people. It's just that we got caught off from our medicine. And I, this is a story that many people could relate to in the sense that we just got done visiting Oklahoma, for example. And there's Oklahoma, for those of you who don't know, were the places that all the Native American people were pushed to when they were relocated during the Trail of Tears because the white colonists would like to have all their land. And We're either going to kill them through genocide or transport them to Oklahoma. And so many of those people chose to go to Oklahoma for the continuation of their family lineages. And so we visited there because I've got Cherokee ancestry. My my husband, Akeem, has Choctaw, Chickasaw, and Creek. So we went up there to visit. And, you know, the thing about ancestry is that in the sense of time, in the sense of being like right here, right now, you and I talking, you know, in physical bodies, Ancestry is gone, right? They're dead. They're gone. But in the sense of your body's wisdom, in the sense of ancestral DNA, in the sense of the invisible world, they're right here. 
So you get connected in right timing with the path that you're meant to walk. And my path, the Cherokee path, had medicine people. And so we're part of a medicine people lineage. So I, my grandmother's way she expressed her medicine was through Pentecostal Christianity. Mm. Okay, so that was how she found a path to right. connect and the Holy Spirit. And my mom found her path through questioning everything and going against all of the paradigms. And basically, the last thing she told me that was such a funny thing. She said, well, I've just decided it's a, it's a spaghetti monster because I can believe whatever I want. <laughs> I was like, if you want to believe there's a spaghetti monster, that, that's fine with me. Whatever makes you happy. and. And so in our family system, there's a lot of conversation about being bridges with the unseen world. And that's what medicine people do. They bridge the world. They bridge the dimensions of reality, of expression. And a lot of people are stuck in the one understanding of themselves, like I'm just a person in a physical body. And that's that. And my mind is me. And when you start working with Carrie Hummingbird, you go, wait a second, where'd that vision come from that went into my mind? Hmm. Where'd that voice I heard? Hmm. Where'd that synchronicity happen? Hmm. And so you start to realize, oh, I'm connected to something bigger than just me and my separate body and my separate mind and my will. <laughs> and you start to realize, oh, there's a lot more going on here than I knew. That's what my family is here to do. So I was the first one who full on went for it in recent lineage, you know? Yeah. I mean, but my, yeah, my ancestors were medicine people. They're peace chiefs, medicine people. So for me, I am a peace chief medicine person. That, and so in reclaiming that for myself through this great, what I think is crazy upside down world, physical reality that's literal, that everybody thinks is so real, gosh, turn that upside down because that's that's a painful world. You know, I mean, My experience of it was real painful. This other way of looking at things offers more opportunities, more potentials. So how did this impact your sons? Yeah, so my son's, one son is very grounded in the literal and doesn't believe any of this stuff, but loves me. Okay. And it's like, mom, what? He's you a mechanic. <laughs> he's in mechanical engineering. And, and he's, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to stick with bones and things like that. <laughs> you know, stuff, stuff that's, that's real, you know? <laughs> he's like, pick the most, like, yeah, most mechanical engineering Just, is like the most focused on the physical. <laughs> turned down all of my spiritual gifts and was like, no, not want that, not interested. And of course, he could ever turn around at 40, you never know. So I put that out there for him as a potential, but he's not interested. And I, I honor him for his journey and he wants to be literal and physical. And I'm just going to say that's a hard road, but okay, go ahead. Now, my older son has, has straddled the world. And, and for him, you know, he's, he's a healer. He's a healer. He's a medicine person in the making. And he's entering his own dance with Western medical and what they want to label him and how they want to talk about him. And because that's their understanding that they're trying to be me and they're just saying, this is what we think you have. You have this thing and it's mm -hmm. a big label and it's, you know, and what I'm saying is let's use a different map. <laughs> you know, what if we went over to this other map called the gene keys and we looked at that map of his birth chart, his astrology, when the day he was born and the map that, he, that he's, he's walking around with. And we might see, huh, he starts off with chaos and turbulence and conflict and vanity and obscurity Whew. and more. There's a lot like that in his chart. He starts off with, you know, he starts off with a lot of shadows. 
that he's got to wander through. And you don't, you don't get to skip that part of the journey if you're a medicine person. Is he open to that information? I have shared some of it with him. Two of the ones he has are the 11 and the 12, and that's about the disillusion of the egoic personality. So that's kind of a big journey. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, when you start to look at that, is you have a different frame for seeing things. And what it is, especially the 11, the 11th gene key is obscurity. And what is the obscurity? Obscuring the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is light. So at the acidic high frequency, the truth is light. We're all made of light. And this perception of darkness is an illusion. That's obscurity. And so when you start to come out of obscurity, you have to face that all these things that were in your right brain suppressed, ancestral memory, visions from ancestry, just things locked away in the database of your mind, that all gets opened up. And it's almost like that moment, this is the way I imagine it. I don't have that key, but this is what I imagine, what I've been witnessing in him. It's, it's like that moment in when Raiders of the Lost Ark and they found the Ark and Harrison Ford was like, oh my gosh, they're going to open the Ark. Don't look. And and, and he told his, his friend, like, just don't open your eyes. Don't look at it. Because everybody that looked at it, like, evaporated into like this, you know, they were all consumed by the, by whatever was inside that arc. It's like that. It's like, <laughs> don't, don't look at it. Don't look at it. <laughs> but it's that kind of power, you know, the power mm. of the, the, I mean, you can just look at science to prove that. Why do we not understand what 98% of the brain does? Yeah. <sighs> like yeah. what's in that 98%? Well, I think Garrett's finding out. <laughs> yeah. So you're, 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 yeah. hanging, you're hanging out kind of, it sounds like letting him have his journey but you know watching from afar to intervene you know i'm intervening yeah Yeah, because i don't believe in those psych hospitals where they just lock people in a room and give them a bunch of drugs and and put them in a jacket and all this kind of crazy stuff when that person's not you know not normally violent you know this person's just sweet and kind and just kind of misguided and confused right because he's in obscurity you don't put somebody like that in a you don't that's just not how you handle people anyway yeah. Yeah. So this is, well, this is like a, this is a fear-based model is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's a model based in fear and, and it's a model based in, I'm afraid of something I don't understand. And so I'm going to do my best to figure out what qualities it has to checklist it and identify all of its, you know, qualities and then put a label on it and then stick that in a box and figure out how I can keep myself safe from it. But the other way to look at things is to go, what is the purpose of that? Right. What is its alchemy? What's its transformation? What's it here for? And if we took a bigger look, we're here for the evolution of human consciousness right now. That's what's happening. With you as his guide, hopefully he, I would imagine he won't spend a couple decades with his version of drinking wine and smoking pot. I certainly hope not, but I also have no control over that, but yeah, I can influence, but that's it. I'm sure. I imagine he won't be going unconscious for too long with you in his (sighs) close energy field. No, because I just keep feeling the stories and I burn them and release them. Yeah. You do need to have somebody keeping the fire for you. You know, if you're, if you're lost in the woods and you're trying to get home, you need somebody to keep that fire burning for you. 
And this is why the Native American people always kept a fire burning mm. because they knew that, you know, when you journey off into the darkness, you need somebody at home keeping that fire lit so you can find your way home. And, mm. you know, not, you, they never said, don't take the journey. They send, they actually send people out into the vision quest, send people out into nature, you know, find your, meet your maker, you know, meet, meet the mystery and then come home and here's the fire burning so you can find your way home. And that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm keeping the fire lit for my son. Beautiful. So for this last segment, I would love for you to share the birth of your current expression of your business. You know, it sounds like it happened pretty quickly. I know that many people listening identify as healers of some sort, usually through the experience of a particular modality that had a huge impact on them and sort of like gets them interested in exploring and then for many healers in my experience, entrepreneurs that are healers, you know, there's multiple modalities and certifications and, and things that sort of bring them along into that full expression. And some sooner than others kind of say, okay, those were all great, but like all those labels and those specific like approaches are great, but really I'm here to do this big sort of you know, thing. I'm a healer. I'm here to do this big sort of this, this big transformation or this, and these are just all tools in my kit. And I'm not like any one thing. And I, I have, I've labeled this the healer's journey sometimes when I talk with healers and it brings them great comfort because from the, from the experience of marketing as you know, where my business started, there's this craving of wanting to label and package and, you know, all this stuff. And it's hard when you're really just like a healer <laughs> messages, like and I'm making this big sweeping arm gestures. If you, you know, not watching me on video of like, you know, like this big sort of, you know, umbrella of healer is really meant where you're meant to be, but you're told you need to pick a niche and you need to narrow it down and you, you know, you need to be put into a box. And of course, most healers don't want to be put into a box. And so it creates this, this real cognitive dissonance in terms of their expression as an entrepreneur. And so I would love for you just to share kind of like, you know, how you got to where you are, which is some semblance of clarity, although I know you're also very diverse in all the things that you do and how that expresses for you now in, in who you are as a healer and a business owner. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great question. It's gone through phases, Lisa. And so you know, my phase began with the call. So I heard the call and I said, yes, I will rise <laughs> to the challenge. Yes, give me purpose. Yes, give me meaning from all the wreckage of my life or the perceived wreckage and make this make sense for myself and my family because I did it for my sons and I wanted them to have a mom they could be proud of. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. And so when that started, I would say, it kind of started with education. I mean, so like much the same that everybody else experienced, getting my tools under my belt, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But a big component of that when I first started my practice, because I'd been an entrepreneur for a really long time doing high tech, but that's a different thing. It's not even the same thing because I'm working for companies, number one, this is a consumer. Right. And number two, I'm working for spirit and versus technology companies. <laughs> so it's kind of a different God thing. is now your employer. <laughs> God is now my employer. So I was like, okay. So That's my I, employer too. I, we have the same employer. <laughs> I had to get, I had to get like knowledgeable about how to communicate with my soul 
and the, the planet and God and you know, whatever word you want to use, divine mother. I was like, well, what do you want me to, my word for that changed over time too, as I learned, right? So, <laughs> so I tried all the traditional things. I mean, I went to the trainings. I went like how to find your market and your avatar and your this and that and all that. I was like, I have no clue. <laughs> and some it's of that so cart before the horse, <laughs> some of that no clue though has to do with resistance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because now look, I've come full circle. What do I talk about? I talk about how to, how to mother unicorn children. I talk about how to step into your power as a mother and become a medicine woman. I talk about how to get yourself out of those boxes and labels of mental illness and our society's way of handling things that is not productive, doesn't leave people openings. I, that's what I talk about. That's who I've always been. But I could only arrive at that through a self-acceptance. And so a lot of the journey has to do with accepting yourself and aligning yourself to your journey, really integrating your journey, which is a process. And the healing sessions as a healer, those lead you closer to that understanding. Because when you put your shock, you know, your shingle out there and you start, I'm a healer and I'm, you know, you start getting attracted synchronistically to people that also share pieces of your puzzle because you're going to help them, but there's matching pictures. And so you're going to practice, you, you get to practice being the hollow bone and helping them. And then after the session go, oh my gosh, I just realized like 50 other things I need to work on. And then you can do your <laughs> personal work. I relate you to know. that very you much. <laughs> and you go, oh my gosh, I'm going to be steady for them and I'm going to be the hollow bone for them. But then I'm going to collect like mental notes on all the things that they, that's me too. And then go do my work, right? So a lot of that is, is like we learn through the mirror. We learn through relationship. That's what this whole planet is designed to do. We learn through relationship mirroring. So that can be really helpful to see who's coming. You know, and who's coming changes because as you check off these lessons and as you move through your practice, who's coming shifts to where you are now. And because you're getting led through the process. And at a certain point, you reach this place where it's less about you and your development and more about how you serve using your gifts and talents. And that just takes whatever period of time that takes for that to actualize. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I mean, that's, that's the part I'm at. It's like, how do I translate what I know to help my son? How do I translate what I know to help my son's helpers? Because they're in these mental health professions, but they don't understand this world. How do I translate? How do I help them see things? Because it doesn't matter what field you work in. You could work in religion, in the church. You could work in mental health. You could work in business. I really feel the main thing now is moving our conversations and our consciousness out of the literal into the metaphorical. And that's the language of spirit. So actually that's what's happening. We're, we're learning to bridge those conversations. So and if your business, your business is also that. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, and your path is going to be unique. That's why like trying to use somebody else's formula doesn't work. What yes. you really need is somebody that's going to guide you, which is what Lisa does. So what you actually need Thank is somebody you. who's going to go like, hi, this is you. And okay, and and guide you to get connected with your source, with your spirit on your next step, which might not lead you directly where you want to go, because obviously, usually it doesn't. It's a spiral. It's not a straight line. But you take the journey and trust. That's the main thing. Keep walking, keep stepping, get a guide, try to follow somebody else's formula. Notice how that doesn't work for you. <laughs> Modify it, <laughs> you know, and just keep moving. I mean, we're all guided. If we're meant to, if you're meant to do that thing, it's going to unfold. Just don't give up. 
And here's one thing on that note I do want to say. <sighs> I've heard some people say, well, if it's not easy and graceful, I'm not supposed to do it. Wrong answer. <laughs> like, if you feel the call in your heart to do something, like you know you're supposed to follow that path, you get to a roadblock, you don't just turn around or say, oops, wrong road. No, that's your challenge. That's how are you going to navigate your way that's the way through it that's teaching you how to do exactly what you said you wanted so don't turn away from that that is your that would be spiritual bypassing yes yeah i tell no. people that is the work that <laughs> right is that the work that, you know you want to know what your marketing strategy is well set that aside because what we just <laughs> discovered is your work right now so and i promise it will get you to the other thing exactly take the yes. process with somebody yes. that isn't trying to push their model on you but yes. can actually help you find your model inside because it's inner medicine it's yeah. not about what other people you just got to find somebody so grounded in their own inner medicine that they can guide you to yours yeah they understand about projections and projecting realities on other people you need somebody so grounded in their medicine they know themselves mm. so that they know what's them and what's you so that they can help you find you and not just find themselves in you like the, oh my not, gosh they would find you not your themselves in you girl preach it oh my god <laughs> 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 Here, listen up entrepreneurs that are feeling confused about what to do next with your business yes godpreneurs find, find a guide to guide you to your own inner journey yes and i i love the name of your book inner medicine becoming one with mother earth for the survival of humanity inner medicine i i can't wait for it to come out around the time that this is airing so link in the Perfect. show notes and all that good stuff. Carrie, this has been a delight. You're such a delight. It was so great to be with you and meet Hakeem. Oh my God. He's so, I'll just say it. He's delicious he is, on all the levels, physically, emotionally, delicious, spiritually, he energetically. He is he's hot chocolate in every way. He, he is, <laughs> is hot chocolate in every way. <laughs> <laughs> and I, everyone, I was sat behind you multiple times in this event and I just, love how he was like stroking your back or playing with your hair and then like leaning in for kisses. And it was just like, Oh, it's so, it's so lovely. It's yeah. So I got, lovely. I got a good one. You know, that's what happens when you stay the course. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> this was so fun. Thank you so much. I loved having this time with you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Wasn't that oh, so good. So good. And I still can't believe that she was a tech writer. So her free gift for our audience is a chapter of her book, Inner Medicine, Becoming One with Mother Earth for the Survival of Humanity. So we have that link in our show notes. And of course, if you're in our GFR squad, you're going to get to experience her amazing guided meditation, work with your soul to make decisions, and then sort of hear about a decision that I'm making. So please check that out. If you have at all been curious about it, you can cancel anytime, only 20 bucks and make sure you have your GFR commandments. Did you get your GFR commandments yet? Go to gfr.life forward slash 12 C every episode. We try to feature one of the commandments and they are your roadmap for getting real. And of course, subscribe to the show. So you don't miss any of these inspiring episodes and you can have a steady diet of things that motivate you and remind you that sometimes even when things look really shitty around us, it all has a purpose.
Bye-bye for now, everybody.